Welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something and the latest and final debrief until we finish this long, arduous journey because it's come to the end of 2018. We've actually reached the point of five-star matches when we started this uh, series, by which I mean by we, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host... Simon Cross. And Simon... What are we talking about now? We're talking about our top tens. We're debriefing. We're breaking it down. We're figuring out what we're going to do. And it seems like, given how five-star friendly you were for this whole 21-episode run of... uh, uh, 20-episode run, sorry, of matches in 2018, it looks like we're going to have a a heck of a lot to talk about, aren't we? Um... Nah, nah, it's a pretty boring year. Pretty, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty, I can't even keep a straight face. So this <laughs> of is course what, we are. So obviously we're going to have to first of all remind people, given it's been quite a while since our 101st match we didn't realise at the time of recording uh, that was given five stars, to go through our previous list. Simon, do you have your previous top ten list? Yep. Okay, do you want to read it out for us? And... So the whole class can hear? Yeah, I'll... Yeah, do you want me to just... Well, we're not going to go one for one, I'll just blast through Yeah, yeah? just blast through your ten, I'll blast through my ten, and then we'll give the final five, and then we'll give a rundown of what we watched in the interim period, and then cool. our revised top tens, if there are any revisions to be had. If you believe... Well, yeah. Um, at number ten, I had uh, Flair versus Steamboat, the third iteration, which I always get Lorcan to tell me which one it is. Class it's of Champion six... The second in the televised trilogy, uh, uh, which was the two out of three falls match. Delightful. In at number nine, I had Kabashi and Kikuchi taking on Furnace and Crawford, the Can-Am Express. Just some big, muscly men. What was Kikuchi's first name? In a... Is that relevant? Well, it might not be relevant shortly. Maybe not. Spoilers. Uh, in at number eight, I had Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Number four, that's which is Wrestle at... War match. Wrestle War 89. That's the one with the judges. Yes. Yeah. It, at number seven, it is Mitsuharu Masawa and Kenta Kabashi taking on Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe. 12th no! of March. 19- no! No! Every time! Sorry for everyone's um, ears who were listening with headphones. Um, Yeah, Uh, that's gonna ring. Bashing their heads against the wall. It's the third. In at number six. The third. I need to hear you say it. I need to hear you say it. It's the 3rd of December, 1995. Okay. No, 1993! <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, so it is. Oh, I'm going to kill you. 
Third of December, nineteen ninety-three. Okay. Before yet, before Lorcan has an aneurysm. Right. In at number six, it's the same combos, but this one takes place 9th of June, nineteen ninety-five. Yep. Wasn't the sixth. In at number five was my number one at one point. It is Jumbo's Army versus uh, Misawa's team. It's their second iteration. Second of April. I didn't write down the date. Jumbo Thank you. Akira Tawe and Masanobu Fushi against Misawa, yeah, boy! and Kabashi. In at number three, uh, number a, re- a new edition. Uh, it's. Um... Four, Simon. Number four. Oh, stop. I am being most rude, especially to a Wrestle Kingdom match. Mm. Uh, taking place 4th of January 2016, it's Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada. Mm. Uh, in at number three, this time the root lot in order, it is uh, Dominion's outing between Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada, 11th June 2017. The second uh, the quadrilogy, the 60 yep. minute time limit draw. And. If you like starting at the beginning with quadrilogies, you'd be glad with my number two because that is Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, 4th January 2017. And my number one, after 100 matches, was a match that took place when I was just three years old. It's Mitsuhara Misawa versus Toshiaki Kawada, 3rd June 1994. The original rating smasher. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I need to read that that post at some point. Um, I don't know whether he said it was a theoretical six or a literal six. I can't recall. I think he did go literal. Anyway, to give you an example, I had seven matching matches, but not necessarily in the same order. In fact, definitely not in the same order because my number ten is Simon's number three, which was Okada Omega two, uh, Dominion twenty seventeen. My number nine is also Simon's number nine. Kabashi and Soyoshi Kikuchi against Doug Furness and Dan Crawford on the 25th of Ooh, May. Oh, I know everyone's names! At number eight, I have Simon's number five. Jumbo's Army against the Super Generation Army on the 2nd of April 1991. The greatest six-man tag match of all time? We certainly seem to think so. Number seven's my first unique entry. That's Mitsuharu Masawa against Kenta Kobashi on the 31st of January 2018. Number six is my other unique entry. It's a Kazuchika Okada match, but not one that Simon's covered. He's defending his IWGB Heavyweight Championship against Katsuyori Shibata, who, at time of recording, had to retire and never wrestle again. After that match on the 9th of April 2017. It's another Okada match from 2017 at my number 5. It's Simon's number 4. It's the 6 star match that made Dave Meltzer lose his mind. It's Kazuchika Okada against Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. And then my number 4, which was 4321, is the same as it's been for a while. Number 4, my highest WWE match. And Simon does not have any WWE matches, so the only WWE match on this list... Bret Hart against Stone Cold Steve Austin in a submission match at WrestleMania 13. My number three is Simon's number six, and it's the one that he can get the dates right for. It's Masao and Kabashi against Kawada and Tawei on the 9th of June 1995. My number two is Simon's number eight. It's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat at WrestleWar 89. And my number one is Simon's number one. That's Mitsuhara Masawa versus Toshiaki Kawada. 3rd of June, 
1994, the first six-star match. We combined our talents, our opinions, our efforts together to make a definitive five watch list for you readers. And this is what it comes down to. Uh, number five, it's Jumbo Saruta, Akira Tawe, and Masanobu Fushi against Masawa Kawada and Kabashi on the 2nd of April 1991. My number eight, Simon's number five. At number four is my number three, Simon's number six. It's Masawa and Kabashi against Kawada and Tawe on the 9th of June 1995. At number three is my number two, Simon's number eight, Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, Wrestle 89. Number two is Simon's number two, and my number five, Kazuchiro Okada against Kenny Omega, Wrestle Kingdom, 4th of January 2017. And at number one, it has to be, because it's our mutual number one, our definitive number one, at time of recording, until this 2018 thing went, whoa! To star ratings as we know it. Masawa Kawada, 3rd, 6th, 94. To give you an idea, I was 10 when that match happened. A perfect 10. So, Simon. Let's now <sighs> list out. Do you have the list in front of you of the 2018 matches, or do I need to do it all? I will let you do that. Okay. So, quickly as I can, these are the 20 matches that we've covered since the previous list, which ended with Kenny Omega against Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom on the 4th of January 2018. And then another 20 matches throughout the rest of 2018 got five stars or higher from Dave Meltzer, and this is what he went with. First, it was Johnny Gargano against Andrade Cien Almas. And the NXT January show, TakeOver 2018 on the 27th of January. The next match is New Japan in Los Angeles, I believe. No, Long Island. I don't know. New Japan in the USA, basically. As the Golden Lovers fought the Young Bucks just before they finally put aside their differences to form the Golden Elite on the 25th of March 2018. And our next match was New Japan again, but it was back in Japan. It was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight match. And it's the only one that's been an all-British encounter on Japanese soil as Marty Skrull challenges Will Ospreay. Our next two matches came on the same NXT TakeOver show in New Orleans on the 7th of April 2018. The opener, which was the six-way ladder match for the to crown the first ever NXT North American champion. And the participants in that match were Adam Cole, baby. Ricochet, Velveteen Dream, EC3, Lars Sullivan, and Killian Dane. Then the main event of that show, the non-sanctioned match between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Then we followed that up with a match between Zack Sabre Jr. and the A-Kid that took place in White Wolf Wrestling in Spain. Then we had Hiroshi Tanahashi facing off once again against Kazuchika Okada, with Okada trying to break Tanahashi's own record and have his 12th successful title defense during this reign as IWGB Heavyweight Champion. Then a month later, on the 4th of June, Hiromu Takahashi and Taiji Ishimori took the spotlight for the junior heavyweights for once, wrestling the final of that year's Best of the Super Juniors tournament. This was followed up by the seven-star match in the eyes of Dave Meltzer, as Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada battled for a fourth time 
this time with no time limits to stop it and two out of three falls to really make a decisive winner. A bit of a different kind of match because our next one involved the moustache mountain yam yams of Trent Seven and Tyler Bates defending their newly won NXT Tag Team Championships against the undisputed era of Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. <sighs> we then had a seven-match streak of this year's 2018's G1 Climax. And those matches were, first, the group matches, Kenny Omega against Tetsuya Naito on the 15th of Ju- July, Kenny Omega against Hiroki Goto on the 19th of July, Hiroki Goto against Tomohiro Ishii on the 21st of July. Then Kenny Omega against Tomohiro Ishii on the 4th of August. The finals of the blocks were then decided on the 10th and 11th of August. First with Kazuchika Okada taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi yet again. And the Golden Lovers facing off for the first time in New Japan as Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi decided who would reach the final. And the winners of those matches then fought a day later on the 12th of August to decide the G1 Climax winner for 2018, and that was Hiroshi Tanahashi against Kota Ibushi. Then, to round off the year, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi defending his IWGP Heavyweight Championship title shot at Wrestle Kingdom against Kazuchika Okada. Once again, a trilogy of Tanahashi Okada matches in 2018 to all get five stars or higher. And then we rounded it off with two Golden Lovers matches. First, them taking on Okada and Ishii in the only tag team match that Kazuchika Okada has been involved in to get the five-star ratings. And as well, same for Tomohiro Ishii. And then finally, on the 15th of December, a little preview to two of the big title matches, including the main event of the next Wrestle Kingdom, as the Golden Lovers of Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi faced off against their challengers for the IWGP Heavyweight and Never Openweight titles, respectively, in the form of Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. <sighs> We've done a lot, Sai. Woo! <laughs> As you can, um, you guys can't see, but Lorcan's currently uh, just pouring water all over himself. There's steam coming off of him right now. That's not water. And I thought you could uh, see me. Anyway. Uh... Simon. Have changes been made to your list? Because that would be really annoying if it turns out I had to do all this and neither of us... Nah, none of it. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to say no now, but of course... How could there not be with such a veritable smorgasbord of grappling? Well, let's get down to it and let's find out just how many of those changes are going to happen. Simon, what is your first entry for this list? So let's start with your number 10. In 10, to quote Bullseye, I have Mitsuharu Misawa mm-hmm. and Kenta Kabashi taking okay. on Toshiyaka Kawada and Akira Tawe taking place on the 3rd of December 1993. My God, not only has he got it right, he's that means he's removed both of your Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat matches and Kenta Kabashi and Soyoshi Kikuchi against Furness and Crawford have been removed from your list. So we have three new entrants, according to Simon. Unless he's started doing some weird recalibrations. Who knows? For me, my number 10 is Kenta Kabashi and Soyoshi Kikuchi against Doug Furness and Dan Crawford. Ah, so Number nine. Oh, okay. 
unless so unless there's been recalibration, not a lot of change on your part. This should be interesting. Simon, what is your number nine? My number nine is Mitsuhara Masawa and Kenta Kabashi taking on Toshiyaki Kawada and Akira Tawe, 9th June 1995. My number nine is the mutual number five at the previous record, Jumbo Saruta and Akira Tawe and Masanobu Fushi facing off against the younger generation stars, except for Tawe, who's also of the other generation, but it's turncoat, essentially, of Masawa, Kawada and Kabashi. 2nd of April, 1991. My number eight is that very same match. Wow. So not only have you got new entries, but they're making a stampede up the charts. Well, my number eight is Mitsuhara Masawa against Kenta Kabashi on the 31st of January, 1998. Simon. My number seven is a G1 Climax match (gasps) taking place... On the oh no, sorry, it's not the G1 climax match. I've jumped the gun ever so slightly, but it is a match in a long series of matches between Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada. 9th of June 2018, Omega finally wins the big one. The seven star match is your number seven. Oh, yeah, and you know what, Sai? It's triple shots all round. That's my number seven as well. If we were a slot machine, we'd be paying out big time. Absolutely. So, as you can tell, that means that my six to one has stayed the same. So, I will quickly run through my six to one, and then Simon can get all the exciting stuff. It is at number six, Kazuch Grokada against Katsuyori Shibata, 9th of April 2017. Number five is the first Kenny Omega against Kazuchika Okada match, 4th of January 2017. Number four, Bret Hart, Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13. Number three, K- Misawa, Kabashi, Kawada, Tawe, 9th of June 95. Number two, Flair, Steamboat, WrestleWar 89. And number one remains for me, Misawa, Kawada, 3rd of June 94. So, we enter the uh, last six shootouts. In at number six, this is the G1 Climax match, and this is, weirdly for me, a draw was the result, as it's Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Kazuchika Okada. Interesting. Interesting indeed. If you rewind two years to the start of 2016 at Wrestle Kingdom and watch the same competitors go at each other... You'll see my number five um, slots. So that's Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 2016. Down one place from number four. So in your top four, Simon, there is one new entry. Correct. Let us find out what it is as time goes on. Number three. uh, Number four. four. Is it a new entry? Now you're keen. It is not a new entry. No, it is Omega Okada at Dominion. So it's another time limit draw in there. Yes. In at number three is Kenny Omega versus <gasps> Kazuchika Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 2017. I, I really want to guess what your new entry is, but I also don't want to spoil it if it's not number one. Okay, I don't think what. it is going to be number one. 
Tell you I don't what. think this is going to be number one. I don't think you've got a new entry at number one. That's write down, write down what it is now, so you can't change your answer. Okay, well, I'll be, have to give away to the people that um, I'll have to change this to camera. I was trying to save energy and and links and and connection. Can you see me, Simon? I can. Yep. Okay. I am writing it down on this piece of paper right now. I can't see you. I need to see proof that I can see you. Hey. Good God, man, you look atrocious. Wow. What is Who that wonders woman... for a man's self-esteem. What is that woman doing dressed as a bear in your bedroom behind you? <laughs> you don't need to know that. <laughs> i got visions of the shining... Okay, so Simon, is your number two a new entry, or is Masawa Kawada finally taking a step down? Has, like Alex Ferguson, this new match knocked it off its bloody perch? In at number two is the unsanctioned match between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, and Lorcan's just flipped the pad, he's nailed it, he's got it in one. Wow. And just for the purposes of confirmation, it is still Misawa. It is still Kawada. And it is still 3rd June 1994. Well, it's no longer Bret Hart v. Steve Austin that is the only uh, five-star match on this list. That is very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Like I said, the guy who... um, whose Twitter stream this was a major inspiration of, Alan Cheapshot, he did list that as his favourite match of all time. Johnny Gargano against Tommaso Ciampa. So I'm the weird one by not including it in the list. It would definitely be somewhere, I think, in the top 15 or 20. Definitely, definitely in the top 20. Uh, It was one of the few ones that I did also give five stars to in, in 2018. Yeah, whereas I was a little bit more trigger happy. So I'm just looking now at what our mutual ones are. Um, so we have... That's not a mutual one. It's actually a lot few... There's fewer mutuals than before. So... I have that in my list. I have that in my list. I don't so the have top that five shootout's going to be harder. Oof. I do have that in my list. No, no Do we have any of the mutual top five that have disappeared from both of our lists? It's unlikely since you've only made one change, but... One of the mutual top five yes. could have dropped off of my list. Um, no, I don't think has it. Yes, yes, because uh, no, it's not. Sorry, Kikuchi is still on there. And uh, sorry, Kikuchi was knocked off there previously. Ah, okay. So we have, but what has been knocked off is Flair Steamboats. Ah, Flair it's off Steamboat of my list. Is now. Not in our mutual list. So I'm just looking at it now. I think it works out at one, two, three, four, five matches are on our mutual list. But do we make them our definitive list? Because both of our number twos aren't even in the other one's top ten anymore. Because, okay, my unique exclusive only to me ones, actually it works out. The ones that are on our mutual list are my that that aren't on our mutual list are my ten, eight, six, four, and two, and the ones <laughs> that are in our mutual list quite appropriately are the odd ones nine, seven, five, four, five, three, and one, <laughs> which are for you numbers one, three, seven, eight, and nine. 
So just to quickly uh, summarize it, our, mu our, our, our unique ones, Simon, your unique ones are Misawa Kabashi, Kawada Tawe, 3rd of December 1993. I think the only reason you're keeping it in there is to piss me off every time you re recite the, the dates. Then it's two Okada Tanahashi matches that you have in your top 10 that I don't have in mine, which are the um, Wrestle Kingdom 2016 match, which Okada won. And the recent time limit draw at the G1 Climax. Uh, then you have the Okada Omega Dominion match in your list. Whereas that was my yeah. top... That was the only one of my top ten that got knocked off the list. Ah, okay. Um, and then, of course, Gargano Champa at number two I don't have in my list. The ones that I have in my list that you don't have are Kabashi Kikuchi, Furness Crawford. Which is weird, considering how much I like that. Yeah. Masawa Kabashi, 31st of January 2018. Okada Shibata, on the 9th of April 2017. Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. And Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat at WrestleWall, which have been our mutual number three. Ooh. So that's the key, really. Weirdly, we'd be bumping off one from the top three. To be replaced by another Okada Omega thing. That's the problem we're really with this. Is that that means that our Definitive 5 has the exact same match twice at this point. Because we both have the Okada Omega matches from Wrestle Kingdom and the 7 Star match. So 1 and 4 we have. And you also have 2. Neither of us put in the G1 Climax match, which is interesting, because that seems to have a groundswell of opinion by many online that I see being the best one because it's the shortest. Mm. People are all now obsessed with the conciseness. But uh, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that's not a problem for us. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a difficult one because... So it depends it how has... you want to define our rules really now, isn't it? Well, I, I feel if it's not in someone's top ten, it can't be in our definitive top five. Mm. But I, don't just like the, see... I really don't like the idea of two of the same match in the top five. Yeah, I, I, I understand the problem there. Uh, personally, to me, I think the, the, and the number three spot does have to be changed. But... But I also feel... Because then it's entirely Japan matches as well at that point. Ooh, this is difficult. But we I, we just simply can't leave it in. I just don't think we can. It wouldn't it would devalue the what list, would it I be, think. What would it be now for you? Would it be like your number 11? Well, let's have a look. Where was it on your previous list? It was your number 8. So it was the last one to be knocked off your list. Yeah. So, so it, it would be basically my... probably your number 11, unless there's another one from 2018 that would you'd rank above it that doesn't quite make this list. Um, so it would be two against eleven, essentially. Yeah, but I don't. If I was being candid and had ranked all of them definitively, I don't think it would be at number eleven. I think the problem we have as well is if we make this part of it's to like give people a recommendations list who may not have watched a lot of this stuff. But I do think, given the stereotype around the Dave Meltzer matches. <laughs> for yeah. all five of them to be Japanese. That yeah, yes, is an issue. Yep. Tell you what, I say keep it, but not okay. for the Japan reason per se. For the age of the match, yes, it does mean that we've got. 
Although, actually, we don't have any matches from the 2000s, but to be fair, there were only about six of them that had five stars during that time period. There's nothing we could really do about but that. But <laughs> that does mean we have something from the 80s, 90s, and the 10s. Yeah. Like, like three of the four decades we're covering at, at this moment in this list. Yeah. So if, if you were, like, looking at it purely from, like, a the strict of, standpoint. Yeah, to give people senses. So we've got... So maybe the great rest eras of quality wrestling. You've got 80s Jim Crockett Promotions NWA. You've got 90s All Japan. Yep. And you've got 2010s New Japan. I mean, 90s All Japan is overrepresented insofar as there's three of those. But maybe... But Misawa, well, that's what, that's what happens when Misawa was so good. Yeah. Not well, just that's Misawa, also, That's also funny. Now, let's have a look at your list. Is Misawa overtaken now by Okada is the most frequent uh, person on your list. He's in... F- so Masawa's now in four of your matches. You're number one and you're eight, nine, and ten. And Okada is in your yes. three, four, five, and six, and seven. So it's five to four. Five to four for Okada over Masawa. Does that sound right to you? Do you think it- you like... Have you found a new bay? Uh... Right, I think the key it's it's difficult because I know you've been working over this list a lot. We've essentially had to hold back on recordings because it's obvious that the 2018 stuff and all this you, you're really loving. Whereas yeah. I'm, I've been less enthusiastic. When we do our summary, I'm going to go back and find out how many matches I've given five stars to, how many you have, and I think for 2018 I gave one, two, three. By my count, I gave five. Of the 21 matches in 2018, five stars. Yeah. Which are, now, I'm just thinking which are in Gargano terms of... Like... Champa, uh, Tanahashi Okada, where Okada was trying to break the defense record. Okada Omega, the two out of three falls. Hiroki Goto Ishii was the only G1 Climax group matches I was having. And I also put Tanahashi Ibushi's final, G1 final on five stars as well. I don't think I gave any of the other matches five stars, but I will listen back to see if that was the case. But if I was keeping notes correctly, I was doing that. Okay. I imagine you might have done like double that might have been five stars for you. It's difficult, but I've just checked to see if there's any like little like separate or further separator. So I just quickly looked at the variety of opponents available. Mm. Now, it's going to be a false statistic uh, because there was a six-man tag match uh, that Misawa has in the list and Okada doesn't have uh, that in my list. Um, with the six-man tag match, Misawa has four opponents yeah. to Okada's two. But if you take out that, because it is kind yeah. of cheating, yeah. it, it becomes a straight two-two. Yeah. So it, 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 it's... It's it's so difficult to say. I wouldn't say Okada is necessarily better than Misawa, but maybe uh, Okada's opponents are better than Misawa's mm. opponents. Well, what's this? I also do think that there is significance to the fact that you've given Misawa five stars for his involvement in a singles match, tag team match, and six man tag. And like we say, the only tag team match that Okada's had during this time was with Ishii against the Golden Lovers, and I don't think either of us gave that five stars ourselves. Yeah, no, um, 
Now, no, we, we, we both referred to it as more of just a greatest hits compilation than anything else. Yeah, a Super Bowl uh, halftime show of a match. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to say because obviously we're using a very skewed sample size. I've only seen one tag outing from Okada, whereas I've seen a lot more. But he's not, I don't think, I can't imagine Okada's been in many matches that anyone's going apeshit for as far as tags go. In New Japan, the tag is essentially treated as the undercard match. Because yeah. he's never, like I said, he's never challenged for the IWGP tag team titles. Because I think Gato sees him as above those belts. Whereas Baba clearly always saw tag team wrestling in the tag team division. You know, to many, the real world tag league, the world's strongest tag league, was a bigger deal than the champion carnival. Because mm. um, you look at the history of the Hanson and Brody, the Funks, all those sort of things. Big Doctor Death, like yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, where the miracle, like... the miracle violence connection, uh, yeah. Saruta and Tenru, you know. So, uh, maybe we'll have to reserve. I think we'll need to reserve some of this conversation for when we do the um, the final discussion, and maybe. And I think obviously we're going to go back and we, we're, we're talking about ideas that we can move on with this going forward in a different way to this format. Uh, that we'll reveal as time goes on. It's just in preliminary talks. This isn't the last time we'll be talking about Mitsuharu Masawa or Toshiaki Kawada or Kent Kabashi. Uh, or Masanobu Fushi. Or, yeah, I was going to get to Fushi. I was going was... to... I want to say him. He's my <laughs> favourite. Uh, so, yeah. So, just quickly go through that again, then. Our definitive five is going to stay as it was. Uh, but if we're putting them in order, should we... Bump Flare Steamboat down one or not? I think that's only fair. Does it? But it is also the singles match of um. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of don't want to put those in much of an order. I mean, obviously, Misawa Kawada's number one because it's number one on both of our lists. Let's just say what they are. We'll keep them as they are, and then maybe at the end we'll rejig and recalibrate a bit. Who knows? But Not just to reiterate, easy. then, our definitive five remains. At number five, Jumbo Saruta, Akira Tawe, and Masanobu Fushi against Mitsuhara Masawa, Toshiaki Kawada, and Kenta Kabashi on the 2nd of April, 1991. Number four is Mitsuhara Masawa and Kenta Kabashi against Toshiaki Kawada and Akira Tawe on the 9th of June, 1995. And number three, Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, 7th of May, 1989, Wrestle War. Number two, Kazuchika Okada against Kenny Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom on the 4th of January 2017. And our number one remains Mitsuhara Masawa defending the All Japan Triple Crown Championship against Toshiaki Kawada, 3rd of June 1994. So that's stage one of this little debrief. Simon, what do you want to do next? Do you want to do our alternative five-star match, or do you want to take a little listener correspondence? Let's do the alternative, I think. So, obviously, with 2018 having 21 matches that got five stars, there's not necessarily that much. You'd think there wasn't that much to look at that offered much of an alternative, but you'd be wrong. I think I... I, Didn't I tell you that, like, over 100 matches were given more than four and a quarter stars by Dave Meltzer over the course of the year, which is just insane. Um, and like I said, another example that maybe the system's broken at this point. Mm. <clears throat> the only issue really with looking at those was trying to find something that was a unique match that Dave Meltzer had given five stars that doesn't isn't reflected in all of the um, 
in all of the other five star matches. So if we look at the so if we look for example four and three quarter star matches, uh, we're looking at like. Um, God, it takes so Is long. it more New Japan by chance? A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a yeah. lot, a lot of New Japan. Um, so yeah, it's just things like um, he did give AJ Styles against Daniel Bryan at TLC four and three quarter stars. He did give Tommaso Ciampa against the Velveteen Dream and Alistair Black against Johnny Gargano at the War Games takeovers. Uh, four and three quarter stars. That could have been an interesting one to discuss. Johnny Gargano working as a um, heel. Yeah. Uh, he gave a match for NEW, which is the... Um, I don't know what that promotion is. Um, but basically, it was a match between Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix. He gave four and three quarter stars. But then it was a lot of G1 Climax matches. Uh, he gave Will Ospreay against Flip Gordon at the in the Best of the Super Juniors four and three quarters. He gave Will Ospreay against Matt Riddle at OTT Scrappermania 4. Five star, uh, four and three quarter stars. Sorry, uh, yeah, lots of stuff with. Uh, he's, he's loving Matt Riddle. He gave a, a PWG match between Riddle and Zack Saber Junior. Four and three quarter stars as well. He gave the four way match at Wrestle Kingdom for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title. Four and three quarter stars. Uh, he gave the ladder war at Ring of Honor between the Briscoes, SCU, and the Young Bucks. Four and a half stars. Uh, he gave quite a few. He gave some. He gave some high ratings out. It's fair to say, but trying to find something that was unique. Oh, also at All In, he gave Kenny Omega's match against Pentagon uh, four and a, four and a half stars, and he also gave the uh, final match between the, the Young Bucks and Ibushi against Mysterio, Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandido four and a half stars. Lots more NXT stuff. Lots more New Japan stuff. But what we went for was one of the four and three quarter stars, and also the highest rated match since the days of Joshi that Dave Meltzer has given to a match involving women wrestlers. And what was also appropriate was it was the other half of the four horsewomen that really did bring about a women's revolution without that needing to be something that, you know, uh, was highlighted. Executive figures, hashtags, <coughs> and the like. So what are we talking about, size our alternative five-star match? Uh, we're talking about the semi-main event of Evolution uh, between... It's only WWE pay-per-view, I guess. Yep. Uh, between Becky Lynch and Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's title, and it's a last woman standing match. So a WhatsApp message I received from you along the during the period between our two records was this. I hate... Last Man Standing match, uh, to which I asked the match or the Bruce Willis film. I could have also asked the Tim Allen sitcom, um, but I didn't. Neither of which I've seen. <laughs> no. Uh, to which you said the match stipulation. So much like the tables match, Simon. What is this hatred, and is it irrational or not? Where does it come from? Ah, uh, it's not as burning and. Some would argue irrational as the tables one. The core argument is sort of the same. Uh, it really just it can be really like flow disrupting. Um, there are good last man standing matches. I can't think of one off the top of my head, <laughs> but I, uh... I'm more I'm more confident saying that than I am tables matches. Um, obviously. Uh, you could probably cite some disagreement, as could our listeners. 
that's all well and good. What happened in this specific match, which I think has made me just diminished last man standing in my eyes, is I found it to be very disjointed. Mm. Is it is it one of those classic scratch this off your bingo cards, an issue of a uh, connective tissue? It is. It is really a big issue. Uh, issue of connective tissue. Let's try saying that five times fast. Mm. Um, Have you ever I'll had just... issues with connective tissues with uh, anything involving Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair before, Simon? <laughs> it's fast. Oh, oh, oh. What is that bear lady doing behind you? <laughs> Anywho, uh, I found this match, it was very much a case of, we did a spot, now we have to get to the other spots. But it was very obvious that they were getting to the other spots. Uh, I, I don't, it sounds like I'm just coming in with like a massive like down downer on this. And it's a really difficult one because the first time I watched this match, I watched it within 24 hours of it happening. I don't think I can't remember if I watched it live or the next day. Mm. Um, Becky Lynch was like red hot. The storyline yeah. was red hot between her and Charlotte. Uh, the animosity was there, and I was swept up. I remember the first time I watched this match, like, oh yeah, this was really good. And um, I remember when we put this forward as the alternative for this. I was like, oh yeah, I get to get to see that again. I came yeah. in going, I'm going to enjoy this, and for whatever reason, it was just a bit well there. Here's my. I- is that because now it feels like Becky Lynch is kind of just there when you see her on TV? I hadn't quite thought about it that way. My theory was because I'm seeing the match in isolation and I'm not part, it's not a uh, stop on the storyline train mm. towards yeah. Becky Ronda Charlotte at Mania. Yeah. I'm seeing it a little more colder. Yeah. Like the context, is, not, context doesn't prop up the match. Anymore. I think, I think it's along the lines of the Daniel Bryan stuff, and maybe some of that won't necessarily age as well. Uh, I don't know yet. We've got a bit more distance still to go with it, but we're on, like you say, we're on a journey with Becky Lynch at that point. And it's funny when you're watching the video, a pre-match video. I don't know if you watched any of that. I did, yeah. Because this was a case again. Where the WWE's version of this story and the fans' version of this story was so different. And it feels like this was the match that finally put the two stories, started to put the two stories together. Yes. Because when they go, there's the thing that always did jar me when I saw it, and it jars me now still. And we're going right to the end, actually. Becky works heel, sort of in this match and is presented as the heel in the video, the pre-match video. Even begs off at one point. In That's the, the thing. That was what I was going to say. Like, right oh, sorry. The end when, uh, Charlotte does like a Michael Myers raising from the dead moment or like the Undertaker, <laughs> I guess more appropriately. And Becky becomes terrified and runs away. Like a coward. And earlier on in the match as well, she'd done the walking away, which she'd done at one point in a, like, I think it was the, well, it can't have been the Saudi Arabia, was it the Australia show? The Australia's um, Melbourne Super Showdown, where she, where she used the title news. about, and, yeah. Um, yeah. But then but then they also had a, them brawl after the match, and they had Becky win the brawl. So it was a weird, like, is she a coward, or is she actually the badass that she says she is, all of a sudden? 
Um, but like you say, like that is still an awesome moment that I do sometimes go back to watch is Becky's supposed heel turn on Charlotte at the SummerSlam. <laughs> which gets one of the biggest reactions because it was this... It was the difference between what the office wants and what the fans want, just like it was with Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns, um, just like it has always been the case, just like it maybe was with CM Punk and John Cena. Although I do think John Cena's always attracted a larger fan base true, like throughout his run, compared to even compared to Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah. But Charlotte has always had that... Um, She's always clearly been Vince's favourites out of the yeah. horse women. He likes yeah. his blondes. But he also but also I think you can make the case that maybe Charlotte is the best wrestler out of the four. She's certainly the best athlete out of the four. Definitely the best athlete. Um, um she's the biggest as well, you know, she's like five foot nine or so. Until about twelve months ago I'd have said best on the mic as well, possibly. No, I disagree with that. I've never liked her intonation on the mic. And I think Becky has always been good on the mic, but was never given the chance. Because the, the the funny thing about Becky Lynch is we can't go on too long about this. We'll have to condense this down and maybe... I think we can talk more about Becky Lynch, really, in the 2019 in review. Yes, you're going to get even more episodes than the Meltzer stuff this year, listeners. Um, it's, what's so funny about the Becky Lynch that became a megastar on TV was not the Becky Lynch that actually gathered... A following online and on TV, who was really a happy-go-lucky, genuinely quite humorous. Because, like, the reason that loved her puns was the punning Instagram Becky yeah. Lynch person that would do these funny Instagram stories and everything. I mean, she, I think maybe no wrestler has done social media better than her outside of the elite. Definitely beats her boyfriend. Yeah, oh Christ. <laughs> but then what she becomes on TV is uh, the closest we've kind of had to a Stone Cold Steve Austin mm. uh, since Stone Cold Steve Austin. Honorable, oh, honorable, quick honorable mention in terms of social media, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Okay, yes, yes. Um, but... What's so funny, and also what's also interesting, is that this is after she said the man for the first time. But it hasn't really taken off. She's not announced as the man. The man's not on the screen. I see a couple of posters referring to her as the man or as the woman. Yeah. But it hasn't become... The, and it's such a fantastic nickname. She, uh, like, it's... They, like, they stepped in shit. You know, they, they, they found gold at the end of the rainbow when she said that line. Is Evolution after Survivor Series? Just, Evolution, Evolution is before Survivor Series. Because that's mm. the other thing. It's been this like these steps along the way. And so I think the reason that you love this match maybe on first viewing and Dave Mouse gave it four and three quarter stars is we were sort of emotionally invested because you still could see this being the cutoff and Becky not winning. Very believably, they could have Charlotte cut her legs off just like she did particularly with Sasha Banks. Yeah. And Asuka at the WrestleMania. Uh, like, it was kind of that John Cena thing that everyone that gets built up is built up only to help John Cena. Like Rusev, like Koz, you know, like, I was going to say Kozlov. But Rusev's probably the best example. Someone so brilliantly booked for a year, specifically so they can lose to John Cena. 
Yeah. You know, Bray that Wyatt was, that was, the year before. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that the year before or the year after? No, it was the year before. Yes, that's right, because he wrestled Undertaker the year after. But you get where I'm coming from. So it was there there was always this sense. Like like we so this is also maybe the closest thing we've had since it to um John Cena against CM Punk at Money in the Bank and also obviously Daniel Bryan against uh Triple H at WrestleMania. Yeah. It was again telling that story, but maybe not telling it as explicitly this time because you know, Stephanie McMahon's involved in all this, but it's as a spokesperson pushing the brand and everything. It's difficult to say because um, she's not had... The pressure's building, but it hasn't exploded yet. Mm. You haven't had that that image of her covered in blood. Well, yeah, and it was such a perfect image. It was such a cool image. Becky was Becky played it so well. And also that blood meant that she couldn't actually wrestle at the Survivor Series, so they had to hold off on the Becky Ronda Rousey match that made people want to see it even more. They owe a lot of the money they've made off Becky Lynch to Nia Jack's fist. <laughs> because she would have lost to Ronda. She would have. They would have they would have done what they did with Charlotte. Becky would have forced a DQ. I don't think they would. No, I, I... think they would have had Becky force a DQ because they wanted to keep they knew Becky was hot at this point. And they'd never presented anyone as strong against Ronda Rousey before. And I genuinely think at that at that point people were already saying this could be the WrestleMania main event. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they could have done that schmoz finish to look at me with the inside of lingo to set up the the WrestleMania match afterwards because they didn't need to protect Charlotte. You know they obviously didn't. They obviously were willing to sacrifice Charlotte in this match for Becky. This was the match that clearly had made the decision. Okay, Becky's overtaken Charlotte in the in the in the in the hierarchy with this match, and it's never gone beyond that. Like. Becky is as strongly booked now, almost, as Ronda Rousey is. The only yeah. difference being that she maybe gets a couple of roll-up losses in a, in the matches in between the pay-per-views, you know? And she can take the pin sometimes in tag matches as but well. She's, yeah, but she's never, like... You know what I mean? She's never as... Yeah. So, you know, they have to hold on to her, whereas Ronda was always just build her up like a phoenix and, you know, they were going to do the Goldberg thing with her. So no one, oh. no one's been no one's been hurt losing to Ronda. Sasha hasn't been hurt... You know, ultimately, we'll never know either way. Well, we we may know either way eventually, but you know, we we don't know at this present time. Well, I think I think we get the fact that Ronda Rousey's doing total divas means we're getting Ronda Rousey back at some point. Yeah, they're not. Find it interesting that she's still, as time of recording, that, that she hasn't recorded that she reported that she's pregnant. Because obviously, mm. when she's pregnant, that takes another eighteen months or so out of her being able to be in ring, uh, like at least. 12 to 15 you know i don't want to discount ronda's ability to either wrestle whilst pregnant if needs be for a couple of months or or to at least make that recovery afterwards you know yeah wwe won't risk that well they wouldn't necessarily know she wouldn't necessarily know true that's not that's my point not like consciously i imagine if she's pregnant she would like you know i I can't i want to speak for another woman's decisions for once yeah but uh (laughs) If it's known, WWE won't let her do it. End of. Is they're that... not. They're not stupid. Yeah, I guess maybe it's not risk. I don't know how risky it is or not. I don't know enough about pregnancy, having never yeah. been one. Despite what some people might think when they see me walking down the street. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Things okay at home. No. Um. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I think what it is. This match is a good match, but it's. I think it's very. What's it doesn't do enough of the... 
I think it's, again Tanahashi's kind of spoiled me because he has such deep matches. You know what I mean? There's so much intelligence in his matches. He's recalibrated in ring storytelling for me. Yeah, like like Bret Hart probably would have done if he was around in this time period. Um, and there's not as much thought in this match to that. It's fun spots. It's again that whole criticism that WWE is now all about moments. So it's like it's a cool moment when they're throwing the chairs into the ring. You know, yeah, as close as WWE's ever come to the Cactus Jack Terry Funk moment in ECW. Um, there's, isn't it amazing the first time you watch that clip and realize there's an arm underneath all those chairs? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's people in there. Um, stop! He's already dead. Um, oh god, he actually is in real life. Um, so, um, <laughs> I. I yeah, no, I, 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 I like the, the figure four into the figure eight and the ladder. That's cool spots. Yeah, I did remember on Botchamania that Mike Kyoto essentially had to push a chair for her to be able to get out of it. But I, I actually didn't. I didn't. I realized that after the fact. So when I watched it this time, I remembered it after the fact, and I was like, "That's actually." Fair. I didn't notice that. That was fairly seamlessly done. Yeah. I do love the way he manages to cover himself standing on the ladder because he's mm. just trying to get higher to tell off Becky. Mm. Whereas there's been times before where it's, it's just obvious they're just there for ballast, whereas he makes it make sense. Yeah, yeah, he's good at his job, is Mike Kyoda. Um, it's they, it's fine. It's just there's, there's, a fine yeah, the, match. It's, it's funny, actually, the table spot where she does the moonsault, but that doesn't go through the, the table, but they improvise that and she does a somersault, which allows more direct weight to press on to... Yeah. Becky and go through the table. Um, they do do fun stuff, and, and like I said, they look like st- like it looks like a main, like you could put that on a WWE main event with men on, and it doesn't feel like it's out of place. Yeah, you know, soon after this, they have like the TLC match with Asuka that is literally the main event of that show, and obviously they'd also previously had the Hell in a Cell match with Charlotte and Sasha, which I've never actually watched. Uh, it's I got, it's I got okay. very annoyed at the result, and so didn't really bother <laughs> watching it. Although, was that the last time we had before the Red Cell? I don't know. Um, no, I think it was Red Cell. Mm. I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think we'll talk more about Becky Lynch later on. It's, it's a good match. It lacks a depth to it. Yeah. That's, I wouldn't that, go, that's I wouldn't the best go five stars, and if I was to give out four and three quarter stars out, I wouldn't go that with that, you know? But I think it would maybe be in the four star region. You know, uh, well, let's not get that granular. But yeah. I, yeah, I'm not. I think it's apparent. I'm not giving it five stars. Yeah, and I and I think your way of summing it up that there isn't depth is. I think I think much what made off. it feel like four and three quarter stars or five at the time was the investment outside of the match that we had at this point. Yeah, rather than the match itself. And that's that's not us having a go. That's not us diminishing what what those two performers were doing in all facets of their job at that point because yeah, they were taking some nasty ass bumps that women were yeah. never expected to do until recent you know all those bumps onto the stack of chairs they were doing yeah. nothing that like blokes couldn't be doing that would feel just as extreme you know yeah and let's not forget like just because we're talking about just specifically the match like the whole point of wrestling is to make things feel special without necessarily having to do special things. 
like Tanahashi does. Mm. And the way they'd got the storyline, Hart and Becky was just like, you know, destroying people on Twitter. She was doing more, she she was building more momentum with her phone than she needed to do in the ring. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. We will look back on this Becky Lynch run with great fondness without there needing to be a match. That's that close to five stars. Yeah. Five star quality matches is not all that makes great wrestling. And Becky Lynch was making great wrestling in all its facets during that year. Nailed it. Utterly nailed it. So let's nail another thing. Let's nail someone's queries to the mast and see what we think. Okay. I'm going to warm you up a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a fun little question that I've made up myself. Oh, okay. For us. Um, so you are a wrestler. Uh, yeah, you are, you are a wrestler, but you know, it's it's still your personality. It's still your attitude to what good wrestling is. Still my athletic ability. No, you've got the athletic ability of Cody Rhodes. I'll take that. Okay. You, um, get to choose your Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom opponent. Do you get no? The, the the wife's not part of this, oh, <laughs> but you can have a valet if you want. Okay. Okay. You are going to be on the. You're going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, you get to choose your opponent bet- between. Well, firstly, I'll give you between the big three, and then if you want to go a bit left field, you can. Mm-hmm. Between uh, Okada, Omega, and Tanahashi. Considering your attitude to what makes wrestling a good, good, who would you pick that would be most in line with what you perceive good wrestling to be? I don't know about what I perceive both good wrestling to be, but for me to, as a wrestler to want to have a good match, I think the person that can get the best match out of me without me like fucking everything up necessarily... Because, you know, even though I have Cody's athletic ability, I've still got my brain and my fear of doing everything wrong. I mean, if you ask me to what match I'd want to do in the New Japan Rumble, I'd probably want to be New Japan um, uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I'd want to do the New Japan Rumbles because everyone's allowed to be shit in there. But <laughs> um, I, would, I would go with Tanahashi. Because, like we've said, he has the intelligence and I would just follow everything he says and does that I can understand and let him guide me through the match. Because all I know is how to look at a good match. I don't know how to actually go in there and wrestle a good match. You know, like like when I look... Like I said, it's so eye-opening when you just realise, even though I've watched a lot, and I think I know a fair amount as an observer of what I like from observing, there are things that are fundamental to a wrestling match that I don't no. know. Like, you know, that great clip uh, from... Was it... Breaking Ground or Stomping Ground or whatever the documentary Breaking was Ground. NXT. Breaking Ground. Where William Regal is telling people to do this footwork. <laughs> it's such a good clip. You get so That's annoyed. That's something that we don't really notice. I think maybe you notice it when you watch something like uh, the uh, Tyson Fury match in Saudi Arabia. I haven't watched it, but I've read reviews saying this just shows you how even the fundamentals of wrestling... Like, even wrestlers that you don't necessarily think that are that good if they can't have five-star matches, like a Braun Strowman, you realise the difference. 
Yeah, um, someone who's had like a week of wrestling training and some proven athletic ability. I'm going to qualify Tyson a bit, having seen the match. Mm. It is very, very, very apparent in it that he doesn't want to like tweak anything or risk the uh, February fight with Deontay Wilder, uh, which I don't blame him for. This is but this it, is he's, he's passing through. But it's little things of just moving and just sort of standing there for the next spot, or as far as I'm aware, or just yeah. like he's got it, he's obviously rehearsed it through, and just the little things to make it feel a bit more natural and flowing. Yeah, you know? like like the the difference between uh, Fury and Strowman is like even wider as far as knowledge of what how to work a wrestling match than yeah. between Strowman and Tanahashi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like Braun Strowman's on eighty thousand pounds and is therefore in the top five percent of earners. <laughs> Somehow whereas, I need to crowbar where, that in. Whereas at time of recording. Whereas Tanahashi is uh you know uh, Bill Gates, essentially, if we <laughs> want to talk about wealth of you know, of Jeff knowledge. Bezos or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and obviously it's not to put wrestling above boxing. It works the way around. Big Show famously said in one of his Talk Is Jericho interviews that when he did boxing training, by the time he figured out uh, mm. gaps were there for him to throw a punch, that gap had been closed. Yeah. Whereas oh, yeah, pro bo- boxers can see uh, gaps that aren't even there. They can create gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely entirely... Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that would put, you know, Tyson Fury's in, like, well, no, it's like someone who's like, you know, on the, who, who reaches to top 10 contention for the British light middleweight is yeah. the five percenter or something, you know? Exactly. That's my point. Okay. Um, see, I'm in two minds to uh, answer the same question I've posed you. Um, one of my minds is, is pretty much basically what you've said so one camp is the tanahashi camp you go with a guy who can um a guide you through and b um he could put me in a headlock for five minutes and he'd make it work you know i wouldn't have to do a lot to do a lot as i keep saying Mm. the other one is a mega your mic's gone out so so you want to plug that in There we go. The other one I'd go for is Omega. Um, he's got like That's a. That's interesting because uh, Okada's now your favourite, and yet you're not you're having him as your third choice. I am, yeah. Um, Omega's sort of good at bringing in outside context into matches, um, and he's also really good at like the bells and whistles and like little like. I don't want to say shortcuts because it's demeaning, but you know what I mean? Like he can just use apparatus or interaction or a a facial expression or like his demeanor Mm. in a, in a way which I think would tell a really fun story. And selfishly, it's something I'd quite like to play around with. Um, Okada is third, but by no means am I saying I wouldn't enjoy doing it. Uh, wrestling like Okada if I <laughs> wrestling Okada if I had the ability to do so it's just I yeah. think I would have more fun doing yeah. the other two yeah if if yeah I guess it's basically if I want to I guess I'm kind of cheating because I'm so, well you've basically said knowing what I know but I've got the athletic ability of Cody Rhodes yeah 
But I'm basically having my first match in ring. I'm having it yeah. with Tanahashi before I'm having it with Okada and Omega. Yeah. There'd be too much expected of me to keep up with Okada and Omega. Whereas I think Tanahashi could Tanahashi could work a map match, which he essentially did for most of his match with Minoru Suzuki. Which is another one that I feel like maybe in some alternative universe I've kept to my principles and kept it in my top ten. You know, I feel like I sometimes bolt and like I gave into pressure of the six stars and what have you. Although, you know, that might be another thing for us to discuss maybe in our overall one. The fact that Dave Meltzer's greatest match of all time only reached number seven on our list. Yeah. And we both rated matches from that year. Higher. Well, actually, you did, I didn't, to be fair. Because yeah. that was my only new entry. But you wouldn't have even had that down as match of the year, let alone greatest match of all time. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have. I don't, and actually, I stand by it. Bronze? I think it'd be your bronze. Uh, Just a quick little check. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It would be your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be your bronze. My bronze at the end. You put the um, G1 Climax uh, Okada Tanahashi match ahead of it. Yes, I did. So, yeah. I loved that match. I just loved it. Yeah. It's hard to... Oh, when, it, when everything just catches you right. That's you crazy, know? isn't it? But anyway... Let's have enough of this craziness. That's been another debrief. Our last debrief, we will be doing a larger scale um, evaluation of all of it when we finally got 2019 done because at the time of recording, we've got another 21 matches still to go, Simon. Oh, Jesus Although, Christ. Although with no alternative five stars. Stop Simon. liking things, Dave! <laughs> we, 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 uh, I send Simon updates on the, on the newsletter and I think like those Fridays, you're filled with dread almost. Yeah, it, it's got to that point now where um, I love doing this, but it's the time constraint that's the issue. Let's just yeah. clarify. If it weren't for the time constraint, I, I, I wouldn't... If it weren't for this care. arbitrary deadline we've given ourselves, yeah. and, you know... Oh, that sounds eerily familiar to our political situation. <laughs> um, five stars means five stars! <laughs> We'll have some red, right, and blue five stars. <laughs> Let's get five stars done. <laughs> do you want a hard five stars or a soft five stars? Right. What um, we're going to do is we're going to renegotiate our five stars, and then in three months' time after that, we're going to put it up for another discussion as to whether it is or isn't five stars. Five stars. <laughs> to get back on track, uh, <laughs> Lorcan sends, obviously... We're going to give up doing five stars whatsoever. <laughs> Sorry, I just, we need to get the Lib Dem voice in there. For, that is uh, true. Balance. balance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Lorcan sends me every Friday whether or not there's been uh, any updates from Big Dave. And he's right. I do dread that now. Um, <laughs> to date ourselves horribly, at the time of recording, he's come very, very close with... Yeah, we um, closer, but let's not give him the match. I think he's yeah. giving it away at this point. But um, let's let's just get on, because we've got more records to do. Yes, sorry, ladies and gents, this isn't live. So uh, I've got to go see Frozen 2. <laughs> has to. He has to see that. Can't wait. Can't wait. He has I can't, to see I can't let it go, Simon. Oh, Jesus. That's my fault. Anyway. Sorry, listeners. So, so first of all, what is our next match going to be? The first of our five-star matches. To give you an idea, at that time, we had just released our... Um, 
we had just released uh Jesus Christ we've uploaded a lot this year we had just released <laughs> on, on the same day that we released episode one of the Meltzer five star project he was giving another match five stars well actually he gave it five and a half stars live and then on further reflection decided it was five and three quarters so well, what is our match little style? cherry on top and a moose yeah. bouche well it's a match that our five Star series has been building too. Mm. Uh, it is Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. The match that at the time, and I think imagine he's probably still thinks this because I don't think he's gone six stars this year. Uh, Dave said was the best match he'd ever seen live. So those are some high praise. So let's see if it's worthy of that. Those people bugging him at PWG will be so disappointed. <laughs> Simon, if people want to get in touch with you about whatever it is we've discussed, I'm sure there were things I could have made a joke about, but I've got no energy to do so. How how can they do so? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm sending a Simon Cross free. Free for the ch- number of choices I gave Lorcan in the question I just posed him. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for arbitrary decisions. M for <laughs> no need to answer hypothetical questions. <laughs> That's my Twitter handle, that's my Instagram account, Facebook letterbox, we put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show, lmtyspod at gmail.com, lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. Uh, but there's nothing left to say now at this point, except my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have at minimum a five-star time. Until the next time. <laughs>